The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk to Dr. Sheila Dean, co-founder of the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy. We're going to talk detoxification and genomics. Yeah. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. You know, Michael, everyone's on spring break this week, but it's snowing. It's snowed here this weekend. You're from the Northeast. Doesn't it snow like every weekend? Actually, it does. Hello. I'm Michael Chapman. Patty Davers. How goes it? <laughs> it goes well. All Welcome right. to the show, Michael. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so this is a podcast called The Lab Report. Mm-hmm. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty, lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and uh, the like. Yeah. And if you like this show, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, mm-hmm. rate, review, download, subscribe, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. Sharing's interesting. Remember when we actually shared real physical stuff? You know, no, like I we don't. like shared a, a like piece a sandwich, of, yeah, or something like that. <laughs> as compared to just now, the sharing. only sharing that happens airdrop, is, boom, is essentially here. Watch this thing; it's funny. I promise. That's right. That's right. Well, if you want to share your feedback, mm, I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even sharing; isn't even the right word. No. It's like you're just providing your feedback. Contact us. Right. Yeah. So, anyway. You know what I mean? You can't even share an opinion, right? Like that when people are like, oh, thanks for sharing your opinion. I really appreciate that. Like that's not even the right word. If you're sharing an opinion, you got, you have the same opinion as someone, right? It would be like, look, Patty and I share this opinion together. That's, that's the definition of sharing. If you're just telling somebody something, that's not sharing. That's just telling them. So if you'd like to share your opinion on the show, why don't you email us at podcast at gdx.net. Share away. <laughs> Anywho, what are we doing today, Patty? We are going to speak to Dr. Sheila Dean. This is awesome. I know. She's the co-founder of the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, which is like a mentorship program yeah. for, for dietitian and nutritional professionals within functional medicine. Right. Yeah, she's a wealth of information. She's got so much expertise in the area. She talks fluently about labs, mm-hmm. about nutritional aspects, supplementation, how to integrate the, all of that into a thriving practice. Um, so without further ado, I mean, I think yeah. wasted too much time sharing my opinion on things. I know. Let's stop sharing your opinion and call Dr. Sheila Dean. Patty. I know. Dr. Sheila Dean. She's here. here. Yeah, I, I know. know. Right? So we've got Dr. Sheila Dean, who is a registered and licensed dietitian nutritionist, board certified integrative and functional medicine practitioner, and an exercise Whoa. physiologist, and an educator at heart, by the way. She has taught over for 22 years as adjunct nutrition science professor at a number of universities, has authored several chapters in medical nutrition textbooks, and was in clinical practice for 17 years. She has been featured on many local and national television shows, radio, magazines, and podcasts. Dr. Dean is the co-founder of the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, which is an online functional nutrition training and mentorship program for nutritional professionals. And with that... Welcome, Dr. Dean. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. We're honored. honored. Pleasure. Yeah. Well, on the show, we talk a lot about nutrition and its role in optimal health. So first, what prompted you to choose nutrition as a career and then eventually functional medicine? 
Yeah, that is a great question. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for um, having me here. I'm really excited to share my story and uh, talk about this really important subject. To answer your question, um, we'd have to go back <laughs> in time. Somewhere around the year 2000, I was a conventionally trained dietitian and a CDE, that's a certified diabetes educator working mm -hmm. at the Jocelyn Diabetes Center. And as an educator and nutrition counselor, I worked in conjunction with an endocrinologist to support patients with type one and type two diabetes and in mostly just managing their symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was very traditional work within the limits of the standard of care at that time. In addition, I did have these, my small private practice that was growing on the side, and I was really using common and conventional tools that were in my toolkit at the time. So things like carb counting and food exchanges, calorie counts, um, reduced fat diets, right? So one day, I remember I was lamenting at how unfulfilling my career was mm. and how it, and my lack of satisfaction with my career just it just started to feel very palpable and i remember asking myself guys i remember asking you know is this really all there is right did i go through all of this work you know all four years of undergrad my clinical internship my national board exams just to come up with these really simple meal plans because if this was it and if this was all there was to being a dietitian, I was going to move on. I was actually contemplating a career change um, in music. Ooh, so, oh, wow. Yeah. So then around the same time, I began to hear the rumblings of, at the time, uh, a relatively new term, functional medicine, mm -hmm. when one of my friends, a colleague, uh, a fellow RD, made me aware of the various functional medicine courses and conferences you know, and at the time for me, guys, the cost was pretty staggering, but mm -hmm. I took a leap of faith. And in September of 2001, mm -hmm. I began my new educational process. And truly, um, it really transformed my entire practice and career. The, this whole new world had opened up to me regarding these scientifically supported methods for truly preventing and healing patients with chronic disease as opposed to just managing their symptoms. And all these cases that were coming my way of people with these conditions that I really wouldn't have known how to handle otherwise were suddenly turning into these success stories, mm -hmm. right? So people with intestinal problems, brain fog, mm -hmm. fibromyalgia, uh, you know, uh, people with uh, multiple autoimmune diseases, thyroid, hormone imbalances, right? And the more I implemented the tools, including functional medicine labs, nutraceuticals, therapeutic diets, I was learning as a functional medicine dietitian, the more I found myself actually healing my patients. And, you know, there was a time, you guys, where I think I was afraid to use the term heal mm. or even there I say cure. Oh, yeah. but yep. once, right, right, right. But once I saw the power of functional nutrition in action, uh, I knew I just needed to learn as much as I could. And then, of course, um, getting the word uh, out to uh, as many nutrition professionals is really my goal professionally at this time. So I just... I, I feel like, um, you know, my career was immediately reinvigorated. I had all this new information, new realms of understanding, and it really just set me on this course of lifelong learning, which is one of the things I will say I love about Genova and all the education that you guys offer. Um, so yeah, my, my practice was just completely transformed and here I am. 
That's see, amazing. And we all kind of have a similar story. Like once you learn this and you see the different way of looking at medicine, you can't go backwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go back to 2000. And I, I guess the question that comes up is in the year 2000, your diabetes nutrition educator, what would be the thought if somebody said, hey, did you know that diabetes is reversible? Right. Well, I think for me at the time, I, I did feel that diabetes, speaking for myself, yeah. I did mm-hmm. feel like diabetes was reversible. And But I really, the idea that this term root cause really spoke to me because I feel like I somehow intuitively knew that. And it's one of the reasons why I got into the field to begin with. But, you know, they just don't teach you about that. And you forget, mm-hmm. right? You sort of yep. forget. And you, I mean, you you are trained to be a critical thinker and that's all good. But when I saw the programs at the time, there were a lot more seminars than there were webinars. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I was that person that looked up all of those references and, I'm, and I started to put it together and I mm-hmm. thought, wow, there is definitely something here. And, you know, one thing led to another. And uh, ultimately, um, now, of course, we, we teach this at, yep. at uh, the Integrated and Functional Nutrition Academy. That's awesome. awesome. And, it, well, and another thing that I assume that gets taught there as well, you have a, a bit of a keen interest in metabolic detoxification. And, you know, the words toxin and detoxification, they can they kind of mean different things to different people these days. And sometimes they get used for the wrong way, misused. And so, you know, as it relates to, you know, like detoxification cleanses and things like that. So why should more people be focused on environmental toxins and, and what role do they play in how you practice in functional medicine? Yeah, that is so true for sure. Yeah, the term detoxification or detox it's definitely an elusive term, right? And it definitely can bring forth a variety of actions because reactions, because as you said, it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. And it's used in so many different contexts. You know, uh, many people consider the concept of eliminating toxins from the body is just non-scientific altogether, especially even in the, in the uh, dietetics community. So uh, there was this article uh, in a magazine, a popular magazine for dietitians called Food and Nutrition, and it was called Defining Detox, Reclaiming One of the Most Divisive Words in Dietetics, hmm. right? So think about it. What do you think of when you think of the word detox, right? So for some, it just means a juice fast, or some maybe it means, oh, it's just one of those colon cleansings. Mm-hmm. But for others, it conjures up, like when I talk about it with my my older clients, they think of it as, uh, it conjures up images of drug and re- alcohol rehab or right. detox clinics. And then of course, for others more scientifically minded, you know, it refers to the physiologic process of toxin elimination. But I think this is interesting. So if you Google the word detox or detoxification, I got 198 million hits Whoa. 10 years ago. You would have gotten just under 13 million hits. So clearly, wow. it's a huge popular subject of massive growing interest. Huh. But then, why? Like, as it relates to functional medicine, you know, we focus on it. Like, what role do you see them playing in in root cause functional medicine? Uh, what role to do who, for the, who? detoxification and, and toxins in or, general? Or yeah, the effect of toxins for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I mean. Well, first of all, I mean, metabolic detoxification is also known as biotransformation in the scientific literature. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're going to see both terms um, in in PubMed, for example. And, uh, you know, I think, first of all, you have, it's important to understand what it, what it even really means. So we, we now understand that it, it refers to the metabolic pathways via which cells transform toxic substances, 
right? And sometimes those are referred to as xenobiotics, right? And now the prefix xeno, X-E-N-O, refers to anything foreign. So mm -hmm. a xenobiotic then are chemicals and molecules that are foreign to the biological system. And xenobiotics can be relatively inert meta metabolites as well. It's not always, you know, some uh, egregious uh, uh, poison, but uh, ultimately it needs to be excreted from the urine. I mean, even hormones, I mean, when we make hormone, when we make estrogen, when we make insulin, hormones uh, need to be cleared as well. And so ultimately uh, a xenobiotic or, uh, can ex originate externally, right? So it can be like fumes and tobacco and things that we, th you know, we think of uh, more traditionally, even artificial chemical in foods, medications. I mean, you have to clear medications, cosmetics, but it can also originate internally. So yeast overgrowth, intestinal bacterial overgrowth, right? So these xenobiotics are gonna be present in much higher concentrations than, you, uh, than, are, than are typical. And ultimately these fat soluble substances have to be converted into something much more inert, like a water soluble form before you can be excreted. And that's, that's where you get into this you know, whole two-step process, which we call phase one and phase two, which I think many of you may already be familiar with and may, some of you may not be. Um, and so I'll just very quickly, I'll just kind of go over that for those of you who are still sort of learning. Um, phase one, right? Phase one, where generally speaking, uh, lipid-soluble to toxins, as I just said, sometimes called xenobiotics, they're going to be detoxified via a family of enzymes known as our cytochrome P450. So I'll say that again, your cytochrome P450. So these are a family of enzymes, right? Enzymes. And so they all require nutrients to facilitate this process. So by virtue of the fact, guys, that you need nutrients to get to drive these enzymes, it automatically implies that nutrition drives detox. So if a person is deficient in a nutrient required for the process, naturally the process of detox is potentially impaired, right? So ultimately phase one detox does, uh, in the process of becoming this in more sort of inert substance, does actually generate an intermediate that's oftentimes pretty volatile um, as an example, reactant, reactive oxygen species, right? And sometimes there are even more potentially harmful than the original toxin, but that's okay under normal circumstances. The second phase known as conjugation kicks in and that's where a molecule like a methyl group or an amino group or amino acid or is conjugated or connected to that intermediate, right? So this second step then forms that complex it's usually generally non-toxic, water-soluble, ready to be excreted via the kidney under normal circumstances. Long answer. <laughs> Great yeah, answer. Absolutely. And there's so many things to think about with that, too. Um, we kind of use the metaphor sometimes of like phase one is taking the trash out to the curb. And then phase two is the trash truck coming and taking mm -hmm. the and taking it away. And it's sort of like, well, if that's the case, you really want to make sure phase two is working well. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of trash piling up right. outside your house. You know what I mean? So that's that's the importance because that middle part, it can be super reactive and cause a lot of damage. So um, thank oh, you for laying that out. Yeah, I love that. In fact, and, and on that note, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you have an overactive phase one, or let's just say, let's just say a nor even a normal, a normal working phase one, but then if you've got 
SNPs or genetic variants or genetic, let's just say genetic issues where phase two is somehow impaired or, you know, not uh, comp or compromised, right. you know, you've got things bottlenecking up and, and you know, that those folks also experience some um, clinical side effects as well, which, you know, I can talk about, but yeah. Yeah. yeah That's great. That's great. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about nutrition as cofactors. Are there other factors? You, you just mentioned SNPs and we happen to know that you have, an advanced degree in nutritional genomics, which we know is a very hot topic these days. How do you use this genomic information as as way to, to improve patients in clinical practice when it comes to metabolic detoxification? Yeah, oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Well, let me just sort of set the stage a little bit before I really get into that. And that is, it's, it's important to understand that there's a variety of factors that can cause the impaired detox in general, right? So obviously poor diet. We just said that nutrients, you know, are part of the process. So naturally, if your diet is poor, if you're lacking in, in certain key nutrients, that's going to cause uh, impaired detox. But remember, guys, that drug-induced nutrient depletion, right? Your diet could be right. fairly decent, but if you're on multiple medications right. uh, that are inducing a depletion, that's a big deal. You, so, so you need to be working with your physician or somebody who's <laughs> educated, you know, uh, a statin might be a really obvious example of that, right? But, um, but also uh, ex your exogenous toxic load, endogenous toxic load. Um, but yes, the SNPs, SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, and a lot of you already know that term, uh, AKA genetic variations. Again, you gotta keep in mind that nutrients drive detox. So any nutrient involved in the process of detox, including a simple B complex, even a simple B complex, mm -hmm. which include important B vitamins, in methylation, it can be important. So I just want to say I'm a big fan of recommending cruciferous vegetables, which are like your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, uh, let me think, watercress, oh, turnips, right? And also of the vegetables of the allium family, that's going to be your onions and garlic, because those contain important organo, uh, organosulfurs that are involved in, in the production of uh, endogenous glutathione. But I, 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 so, so all that said, all that said, I have to say that I think uh, I really like, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, there's a really awesome panel called the Detoxigenomic Panel. Yeah. And I, I really like that because, okay, so just for clarity, the Detoxigenomic Panel tests for a variety of cytochrome P450s, obviously not all of them, but something like seven or eight of them. And that's part of your phase one, right? Because remember, Cytochrome P450s are enzymes, and an enzyme is a protein, and any protein can have a SNP, right? right. And then uh, several other important genes involved in phase two are tested for. So I want to say, like, um, uh, 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 let's see, SOD, mm -hmm. superoxide dismutase, some of the glutathione genes. COMT, uh, I think, is like, on that yes, one. Yes, COMT. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I want to say um, NAT, is in, that's the one involved in acetylation. Uh, so all, and then, oh, and of course, yes, yes, of course, a test for the COMT gene or COMT, that stands for your uh, catechol O-methyltransferase gene, right? And that, that's a big one. And I want to just take a quick minute to talk about that because, you know, we've learned that um, you really can't, you know, come to too many conclusions uh, uh, based on just one gene. But I will say 
that there are what we call pop star genes. <laughs> and I think COMT is one of them. It's a really important gene involved in methylation in a variety of substances. I mean, um, we, we know primarily COMT is involved in detoxifying catecholamines, so like your stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, but don't forget, this is, I don't, this gets missed a lot. COMT is really, really massively important in the detoxification of estrogen. And I, I think healthcare, even as healthcare professionals, we forget that you don't just make hormone and don't, and not detoxify them. You've got to make them, you've got to use them, you've got to clear them, right? And in the process of clearing those hormones, they get broken down into different metabolites. And, um, and there's, and by the way, there is a fantastic panel that, uh, that um, Genova also has called the, um, hold on, I'm going to think of it. It's the uh, essential estrogen, yeah. estrogen mm -hmm. essentials, yes. right? <clears throat> right, yeah. And then you've got a big, the big one, the hormone uh, panel. Mm -hmm. And that looks at the various hormone metabolites, including something called 4-hydroxy, uh, estrone and estradiol. So that's 4-hydroxy, E1 and E2. And in a nutshell, all I really want to say is it's one of the really wonderful things about running either the detoxigenomic panel or the complete hormone panel where you can look at different SNPs is that you can see, first of all, if you even have a SNP for COMT, right? And then two, with the essential estrogens panel, you can see, for example, if your 4-hydroxy levels are within range or elevated. So 4-hydroxy is the byproduct of phase one. And under normal circumstances, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal because, you know, COMT kicks in as the enzyme that donates a methyl group and just methylates that thing. And then it becomes, it just converts into 4-methoxy, either E1 or E2, and boom, you're fine. But if your homozygous for COMT, not just heterozygous, but if your homozygous for COMT and you start, you know, having elevated levels of 4-hydroxy, first of all, you want to know. And, you know, there are not a lot of labs that will tell you this. I mean, you can go to any lab and know what your total estrogens sure. are, your, mm -hmm. your estradiol levels, but you know, these specialty labs that show you your estrogen metabolites, so this is incredibly important because for women who get diagnosed, for example, with hormone-based breast cancer, if she wants to know, you know, learn about a little bit what's going on, this is a really important lab to do um, I would say on any woman who's on birth control or any woman before you do it or any woman who's thinking about hormone replacement, because in my personal and professional opinion, I would never recommend hormone replacement or even so much as birth control if I knew that my patient was COMT, was homozygous for COMT. How are you going to know that? Mm -hmm. You got to run the lab. Right. You got to run the lab. And you can prevent a massive world of a problem by running some of these simple labs for you know a fraction of what it costs to have breast cancer yeah absolutely yeah that's i mean it's perfect and uh, you know another thing just shameless self-plug too on that essential estrogens profile that you're talking about that looks at the way that the estrogens are detoxified you can actually add comt onto that uh just as an add-on i think it's like 25 mm -hmm. or 30 dollars or something so you can just you know if you're just interested in that piece of it you know you, mm -hmm. you don't have to go for the full thing too yeah, absolutely. Well, the, one of the reasons I, I will, I mean, I love them both. Now, one of the other reasons I really like the detoxigenomic panel is this. So I'm not an oncologist, but I did have, when I was in practice, guys, I had a lot of patients who came to me who basically said, look, I'm, I'm, I have cancer. I'm working with my oncologist 
or I'm about to work with my oncologist and I'm about to go on chemo and we run the detoxigenomic panel, we'd learn about their cytochrome P450 status, and I and we would learn about which cytochrome P450s were able to detoxify and which ones they were compromised because they were either heterozygous or especially homozygous, and provide that information to the oncologist because guess what? If you're gonna give a patient a chemotherapy agent and they've got a, a, a SNP and they're homozygous for the, the, for the cytochrome P450 that detoxifies that thing, that's a bad idea. Okay, that's a really bad idea. And so this is where personalized medicine, where, where genomic panels, I mean, I think for nutrition purposes are great, but for, for, met, for drug purposes, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant because, I mean, yes, you can go by family history, right? But that's not always exact. And so you can, you can run it, you can find out exactly what SNPs you have, and you can learn exactly what meds you need to stay away from and what meds you can use safely extremely important for pharmacology purposes. That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, and on that note, you run the panel, you get the results, then, you know, what do you do with the results? Like, what are some factors that might impair those detox phases and enzymes and pathways? And are there nutritional strategies that you can use to, to help help them along a little yeah. better? Yeah, for sure. So like, for example, back to that example, uh, let's say you ran the uh, essential estrogens or even the big, the big complete hormone panel, which they're both fantastic. I usually... What I do is I usually start, I would recommend starting with a complete hormone panel. And then based on the information you get, you can kind of take it down to the essential estrogens if, to, if all you need are some basic information, or you could just keep running the complete hormone panel. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with either way. But so if you see, for example, that your four hydroxy levels are up, uh, first of all, you'd want to know, you know, if you're COMT homozygous. And if you were, the first thing I would say is, that person needs to be on a nutraceutical called SAM-E, methionine. It's a universal methyl donor. And then what you do, and of course, clean up their diet, making sure they've got plenty of methylating nutrients and foods in their diet. As I mentioned, you know, your cruciferous vegetables, the alliums, then you got to rerun it in like four to six months and watch the four hydroxy level come down, you guys. Mm -hmm. This is huge, massive. Watch it come down. 4-hydroxy estrone and estradiol have been shown again and again to be carcinogenic. It causes breast cancer. And what are you going to do? If you Okay, look, if you go on tamoxifen, right, if you block the estrogen, that's fine. But to me, that's like saying, hey, I'm going to wear a fire suit and I'm going to block the fire, but I'm not going to put the fire out. I'm not saying don't go on tamoxifen if, you're, if your doctor has, has, has told you to go on it. I'm just saying know what the heck you're doing. Just know what that means, all right? That's what that drug will do. It's an estrogen blocker, but it's not gonna lower estrogen. If you wanna get that 4-hydroxy down and you're Comte homozygous, you need to have something in your diet that, that donates methyl groups to methylate that thing. I have worked at this over and over again. And, and for people who um, are triple negative, um, you know, and, uh, I would, for hormone cancer, I would say that that is an, a very, very good start. So A, you need to know what your hormones are doing and you need to know what your, your COMT is doing. You need to know what your MTHFR are doing and, and you, you need to run the labs. You, you know, as they say, don't guess, just test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sammy, a great inexpensive methyl donor. Um, obviously you have to work uh, with uh, your, your, your clinician. And, but I personally think this is going to be of paramount importance for anyone 
who's been diagnosed with estrogen positive cancer. I'll, I'll tell you, Dr. Dean, as you're as you're talking, the other piece of this that comes to mind when I think about these patients that you're trying to support is gut health and the microbiome. And we know on our stool tests we measure beta glucuronidase, which can recirculate these estrogens back into enterohepatic circulation, which is also dangerous. So, do you do a lot of work with optimization of the microbiome? I am so glad you said that. Yes, you get so focused on yes. So that is absolutely the other main piece. In fact, I would even say you start there. Mm-hmm. You'd start there because you you want to always start with the gut. And you're absolutely right. Your beta-glucuronidase level, beta-glucuronidase, as we know, is an enzyme. And if it's elevated, it's going to uncouple the conjugated estrogens that your body works so hard to do. Yeah. And it's going to, and it's going to, you're going to reabsorb this and back into the enteropathic system. And so we need to make sure via the stool studies. Uh, you've got your GI effects, you know, there are a variety of different stool studies. You've got it. You want to see what the heck that beta, that uh, beta glucuronidase is doing. And if it's elevated, you know, we need to clean up the diet and we need to work with not just, I think health coaches, but I'm going to put a plug in here for registered dietitians who are very well trained in this. Okay. Not just health coaches, but really, truly someone trained in a proper uh, therapeutic diet and is truly an expert on on supplements and, and nutraceuticals and with especially uh, probiotics and just cleaning up the diet in general. And then I'm a really big fan of pre and post labs. So run them again, run them again, run them every four months, six months, whatever you think. And you need to you need to monitor all of this. Absolutely. And and listen, while you're at it, you may as well throw in uh, an organic acid or just the um, oh the uh, the big metabolic panel. The Nutrival. Yes, Nutrival. The Nutrival because. Then you're really going to understand, you know, the big picture, and it re- it all starts to come together really, really nicely. Now, one of the things you want to remember, guys, is that if you're running genetic tests, the good thing is you don't have to run those again, right? You, mm-hmm. you run them once, and that's it. You're that's what you get for life. But the stool studies, the Nutrival, the, the organic acids, yeah, and and obviously the estrogen panels, you want to run those fairly periodically. Yeah, absolutely. It's <clears throat> wonderful. I mean, Dr. Sheila Dean, you are so knowledgeable. Um, I think you're doing like our job for us. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I tell you what, let me, let me just say that one of the things I, oh, I, we teach at IFNA is we teach people to, if they're going to use Genova panels, go to the website. The website is a wealth of information. You don't even have to go, go behind a login on, on the front end, um, which is, you know, available, which is uh, available to the public for free. You can lot, you can just take a look at sample reports you can look at sample reports and you can get an idea, you know, because sometimes clinicians who are learning about this, if you're, if you're anyone out there is listening and you're sort of new and you're feeling a little bit um, hesitant, listen, here's the thing. If you're not wanting to run a lab, just look at the sample reports mm-hmm. and you can get a feel for what the reports look like, what they measure, the research behind it. And, but you need to take the time and look things up. And then you start with yourself. You start with a family, a member, a friend, and I'm telling you, you're going to be a lab junkie. Because they're so revealing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think everyone needs to know we didn't pay her to be a Genova commercial. This is phenomenal. <laughs> and it's sending people to our all the education we provide on the website's also great and the podcast. Yeah, but, and with that, you're so yeah. you're the co-founder of the well-respected integrative and functional nutrition academy. So like tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there, about the program, what role you think it plays in forwarding the field of root cause medicine, and just yeah, all the stuff that you're up to. It's amazing. 
you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for bringing that up. Yes. Well, first of all, first things first, you can learn more about the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, which we call IFNA, uh, fondly uh, by, for short, by visiting, just go to the website, ifnacademy.com. Um, we have made sure that we've answered as many common questions painstakingly. <laughs> uh, so a lot of it is already there, but in a nutshell, uh, for those of you who might be interested, the, the, at IFNA, we essentially do three main things. There's three ways to interact with the program. Minimally, you can earn a ton of CEUs. And these CEUs are, you typically, uh, the majority of these CEUs are for either dietitians or other nutrition professionals, RNs. Um, so we, we offer 220 CEUs. So minimally, that's one of the ways you can interact with the program. If you, if you go through the program and you, re, you want to take, you want to earn the credential, right, the IFNCP credential, you'd go through the whole program, take the peer-reviewed board exam, and you earn your IFNCP. That stands for the Integrative Functional Nutrition Certified Practitioner. And um, it really, we, we feel um, that we've, it really does distinguish the healthcare practitioner from their peers in that it really shows that they've earned and they've uh, gone through rigorous training um, and they are uh, functional nutrition experts. I mean, after 33 modules, you know, you're a ninja. You're a ninja. <laughs> and then awesome. the third way is sort of the in-between, which is, you know, I really want to go through this training, but I just don't really want to take another exam, but I want to go through the training. You know what? That's fine. We have something for you, too. You can go through the training. You'll earn a certificate, but you will not, uh, uh, you know, if you don't take the exam, you can't have the credential. So those are the three ways um, and we, in a nutshell, we teach about therapeutic diets, we teach about nutraceuticals, and we teach a lot about uh, both functional labs, conventional labs, and all of the 33 modules have many, many case studies so that you get this training again and again and again. And it's kind of like learning a language, you know, at first it's a little overwhelming, like, wow, this is a lot, but then you hear it again and again. And, um, you know, it's, it's been an amazing process and now we have many graduates and it's, it's, it's a great program. That's yeah. phenomenal awesome. work you're doing yeah, over there. We're sure. gonna, we'll link to it in the show notes yep. so people can go check that out for sure. And we can't thank you enough for coming on the show, Dr. Dean. But before we let you go, we do have one last question. Yeah, I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. And with a silly, ridiculous question that has nothing to do with functional medicine or nutrition. And this is, uh, it's called the fireball. And Dr. Sheila Dean, my question is, do you have a favorite wild animal and why? Oh, wow. Uh, yes, I think I do. Um, wild? Is it a wild animal? No, it's not. Well, just as long. Uh, is it you animal? can actually. We can eliminate that rule. I mean, why do I, <laughs> doesn't have to be. any kind of animal. Okay, so the peacock. Oh, oh. I've got All something. Right. We've got something for you. <laughs> why? Why the peacock? Yeah. Why? Because the peacock is so magnificent. <laughs> And so stately and so beautiful, like yeah. the queen, the way he or she, you know, the way they they cock their feathers out yep. there, and the way, yeah, just the, it's the most. And, and I have a few pictures of peacocks in my in my home, you know, tasteful because there's some cheesy ones out there, but yeah. the peacock, they're beautiful. This is yeah, one yeah, of our yeah. favorite sound effects in our sound effect yeah, board. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um they are incredibly Stunning. beautiful and even just one of the feathers you know is one mm -hmm. of those things it's like i'd love to have a, you know, just art. a couple yeah absolutely yeah, so yeah great answer that's a really 
cool question. Thanks. Yay. <laughs> well, Dr. Dean, this has been a wealth of information and so inspiring to people who are new to functional medicine. We can't thank you enough. We're going to send people to the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, and hopefully you'll agree to come on the show again soon. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. And for those of you who, you know, are familiar with this, I hope it was a good review. For, for those of you who are sort of on the fence, like I said, go to the website. There's a ton of information. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. See you next time. So, Michael, yep. do you care to share your opinion on the ridiculous amount of information we just learned from Dr. Dean? Yeah, I would share it. Sharing is caring. Um, so that was incredible. I mean, there's yeah. so much going on there, and she's got such a good handle on how all the different systems fit together, how the lab tests work to evaluate that. Um, that was just crazy. Yeah, and I think it's because she, you know she's an OG. She's been in functional medicine True. a very long time, and Word. that really does come through. But the other thing that struck me was yeah. the fact that she came up with peacock, and we happen to have a peacock sound at the ready in the soundboard. That's true. I, well, and the peacock is kind of iconic. I mean, mm-hmm. so you know that's one reason why it's in the board. But probably give it another year, and we might have like every single animal in the animal kingdom in that cool. board, except ants. I hate ants. Um, but ants don't make any sound. No, they don't. Although, I would imagine that if their queen made a sound, it would sound like this. <laughs> Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about N-butyrate. What is it? What bugs make it? And why do we care? Bugs? Like ants? Better not be talking about ants. We're not. Okay, good. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So it's the male peacock, which is more ornate, right? That's right, yeah. The, the, it's the guy. It's the guy at the peacocks yeah. who's got all the feathers. The female, I believe, pretty much looks like a big brown turkey. I mean, and that's the, that's the case with a lot of animals, right? You think yeah. about the cardinals, which are beautiful and red, and then the females, like, wah, wah. Yeah, right, because, um, well, let's face it. It's a man's world. No, I don't think that's the right interpretation from it, or at least the one I get. It's, uh, how to say it, um, men will go to great lengths to attract females, Peacock Apologetics.